popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. I do think he has the support of his teammates. Why would you not be rooting for him to succeed? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I don't mean to psychoanalyze this stuff, but this is what we do in Chicago. This is what we do with our quarterbacks, and this is the biggest story in town. Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns with you. The draft is... Less than a week and a half away. We are almost there, John Z. These are the days that get slow. Because I, you yeah. just consume so much draft coverage. But now at this point, just over a week away, you're still consuming it, but you want it here. Absolutely. There's more coverage coming from The Athletic, by the way. But I, think I want it want here and I here. want it over. <laughs> that too. Those long three days. Well, this is going to be a long I week. I love the draft. I love it. Uh, it's fun. It is. And uh, and we will have all the coverage as we usually do for you here on Hogan Johns uh, in playing more leading up to the draft. Then, of course, when it comes, uh, we are, are going to have plenty, plenty of content coming, as we always do, as we do today, because our friend Nate Tice from The Athletic is jumping on with us. We've uh, had him on a few times. He's always good. Learn a lot of football talking to him. And uh, he's going to bring he's a quarterback he's a former quarterback played quarterback at wisconsin and uh he's got plenty of good thoughts on these quarterbacks as well so uh you can follow us on twitter at adam hoge h-o-g-e at adam johns j-a-h-n-s and uh you can read us on the athletic the athletic.com slash hogan johns is where you find johnsy and kevin fishbane the whole crew uh and you can read me at nbc sports chicago Dot com where uh, my quarterback rankings next week, last mock draft, all kinds of stuff coming out. Uh, a lot of cramming going on this week, including on some of these quarterbacks. I'm going to do a quick tease before we get to Nate. There's a quarterback that's growing on me, John Z. One that could be in reach for the Bears. In fact, some would call it a reach at 20. <laughs> One would argue that every quarterback in a way is a reach, but... Well, that's true. the first guy, yeah. Although, and I, I want to talk to Nate about this. I don't know that these quarterbacks are reach. The more and more I watch them, I'm talking about like the main five, especially the f- top four. They're really good. Like, I, we may look... Like, there's always a chance you go back and you look on a draft class like this and you say, ah, oh, man, it was overhyped and, you know, three of them didn't work out or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I, I think we're going to be looking on this class five years from now. And be like, that is a historical class. I know what you're saying. Well, well, history says they're not all going to work out. Now, that may not be the player's fault. That could be the team's fault. But you just look at, well, what was the last year they had four in the top ten? Was it Josh Rosen? He was number ten. That didn't work out for him. And, and you go back to that year they had the first three picks went to the quarterbacks. Who was that? Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and um, who, am I, who am I blanking on here? But the point Akili being... Smith. Yeah, and then he had Dante Culpepper and Katie McNown. But here's what I'm not, saying. Not good. I think the value I look, not to toot my own horn. I said from day one, Josh Rosen sucks. Okay, I never liked him. Never liked him. I debated putting an undraftable grade on him. Now maybe that was a little bit more extreme. 
a little bit. But I, my point is exactly that, John's. Like, I look at these guys completely different. The more and more I watch them, like, we're poking, we're poking holes in them, trying to find something wrong. And there's not a lot wrong. There's really not a lot wrong. Uh, and I also find it fascinating how opinions differ so much. You know, Chris Sims can have Zach Wilson number one. And um, we're going to hear from Nate here. I I don't know if he loves Zach Wilson as much, which is which is very interesting. So, anyway, let's hear from him, and then uh, we'll we'll come back on the back end of, the, of this interview with Nate Tice and and add a little bit of our own thoughts, including that quarterback, uh, a second tier quarterback that's growing on me. So, here he is, Nate Tice. We are happy to have our guy Nate Tice on the podcast once again. Uh, from the athletic, we've had him on a couple times in uh, last last season, uh, complaining about Bears quarterback play, as we all do uh, plenty. And uh, now it's time to figure out how the Bears fix that, as we've also been talking about a lot this off season. So we figured we'd bring in Nate in ahead of the draft. What's up, man? How's it going? I know and that you don't really help anybody with like what time period that is. You're right, complaining about Bears quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Okay, does that narrow it down at yeah. all? Nope. Like whatsoever. Pretty <laughs> like, much where do you want to begin? Rex yeah. Grossman? Get it yeah, down. Rex. I got the Cutler years. And, and so, yeah, I got that experience. Yeah, I know. That's what's great. I get to parachute in and out of like different teams, like fan bases, like, you know, just like different <laughs> like eras for everybody. So it's like I could relate to Viking fans for a specific time period. Then Bears, Jaguars are kind of count, I guess. And then Raiders. So I could just I could relate just a little bit for a year or two with each guy or each fan base. <laughs> Well, you can follow him on Twitter, and you should be following him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Of course, the uh, son of former Bears offensive coordinator Mike Tice, who uh, if you haven't heard our previous episodes with Nate in the past. Uh, All right, Nate, where should we start? Let's start with the quarterbacks. I want to hit on some other positions, too, because we do talk about the quarterbacks a lot here on this podcast. But um, let me start you with this. I... I have been very, very tempted to actually put Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Tell me if I'm crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. I think Trevor Lawrence is just, it's truly generational. Just don't overthink it. It, It's the, I I get with the flash with Wilson. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Wilson's still, I consider a top 10 talent, like a a legitimate, if if you're going to take four quarterbacks in the top 10, we can talk about Mac Jones in a second. Like, these are four guys you would take in the top 10. It's not like you're squinting and going like, we really need a quarterback and uh, we need to take one top five. Okay. This guy's kind of good. No, it's like, these guys are all legitimate top 10 talents, which is really fun. So you're not as crazy, but I just think, uh, uh, I, I think Lawrence is truly that generational talent, like just the the complete package of of intangibles to start with, just the uh, mindset that he has, um, you know, just how he attacks everything, but then also just the skill set. Uh, I it's he looks weird, like he's so long and gangly, but then it's like he's built like Matt Ryan, which is kind of a weird, you know, that kind of like giraffe almost, but it's he's so athletic, like he's so twitchy and so. Uh, um, just has that short area to him, like where it, when he's in the pocket, it's everything's tight. And then on top of that, like I gave him for Bleacher Report the strongest arm in the draft class. And I, I get with with Wilson, and I, I've made this point a few times now, is that Wilson has arm strength that he can throw a deep ball. 
But then when throwing through a wall 10 yards in front of him, like it's a little different arm strength. Like that's where Lawrence's arm extends and that where the intermediate throws where the ball gets really in a hurry at a guy. Um, So I think it's a little crazy, but I do like Wilson. Like Wilson has the flash. I just have a little more, a few more knocks on him, especially what you have to have with all these top 10 guys. You almost forget Lawrence, like every time he stepped on the field, high school, college, like he's been the best athlete. He's won everywhere he's gone, just a, a special you know, package put together that way. Um, so like after him, we we talked about Wilson there a little bit, like how would you rank the four guys after him, the four guys that are expected to go in the first round, possibly in in the top 10? I, yeah, I'm really high on Justin Fields, like really, really high. I, uh, I have him closer to Lawrence than to the other guys. Like I, I think Fields and any other draft should be the one, one pick. Like I like I think we're overthinking that too. I think we're just trying to find a blemish with him. Like he he's another guy that just another guy that's been in the spotlight, but also just just a complete package of athleticism, size. But he's extremely smart. He's smarter than I think a lot of people have given credit for. I think now it's the backlash. Like we had the first backlash. Oh, he doesn't read anything, and now everybody's the cool kids are all saying no, he reads everything. You know, of course the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, but it's it's he does he plays everything that he's asked to do. He does like in a calm, like he just plays with confidence and calmness. And that's what's so funny is like you don't realize that he's also a four four five athlete. Like on top of all that, at two hundred twenty eight pounds. You know, I like I I've, I really really like him. I, I think Fields is truly a, a, a franchise guy and like can handle it and is just going to step right in and just do a lot of good things. The the aggressiveness is something that is so um, sometimes we can take for granted with quarterbacks, um, aggressive and keeping eyes down the field. Um, and I think that's like his biggest like that's a huge compliment. The thing that people were knocking him on, and he progresses completely fine. That's all hogwash. All the all those knocks on all that. Um, done threads on it. I've watched at least four games on this guy, and he every time every time he has to has to progress, he does. And it's like it's just like sometimes guys shortcut reads, and I think maybe that's what they're hung up on. And also with Ohio State's offense, everything is so down the field. It, it's really a lot like my dad's old teams with the Vikings, which was touchdown to checkdown, and that's what Ohio State's offense is. It's just a lot of at you. It's aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And guess what? He's super accurate, and he does everything perfect, exactly how it's coached and on time. And it's like okay, and then there's room to grow because he's young. He's big and it's just, yeah, there's a lot to him. Uh, I'm uh, number three for me is Trey Lance. I I think his, he's not as much as a project as you would actually think um, coming from North Dakota state and not having a lot of starts. He actually shows a lot of polish. Um, you know, his footwork is great, almost too robotic at times. Uh, but also uh, the intelligence that he brings, he, he was asked to handle protections, which is ex- extremely rare, especially for a retro freshman, ex- extremely rare for a retro freshman, rare for a retro freshman at the FCF, FCS level, which, so that's like, that was like, that's like what I really turned me on to. And was like, okay, there's more to this guy than, you know, maybe this guy comes in the NFL and needs a year to even just know what the hell's going on. It's like, no, they asked a lot of them and he delivered one Walter Payton award, everything as a retro freshman. And I've compared him to Donovan McNabb, not just because he wears number five, but just that size, that that arm strength, that athleticism, that just like the exaggerated over the top delivery, just that kind of like he really has a lot of vibes of, of McNabb. And he can I think he really can. He's, his floor is a little higher than I think people even realize. But I think his ceiling is really up there, too. And last but not least, uh, <laughs> is, uh, Wilson, uh, I'll, we'll talk about Jones in a sec, too. But uh, with, with Zach Wilson is I, I get the flashes like it's it's so much fun, like his throwing off platform and his accuracy. He was so much more he's improved his accuracy from last year to this year 
you know, the knocks with him are, yeah, he didn't play the greatest competition, but guess what? He dominated it. You want the guys to dominate bad competition, and he did. So that's that's where you got to talk out both sides of your mouth with that. Um, I think the more level of the competition is that his offensive line just gave him about 15 seconds. Like it looked like Russell my senior year at, at Wisconsin. Remember that when Russ would just kind of bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and then go, oh, I'm going to scramble. So it kind of was a lot like that. And I, I think with his accuracy and the off-platform stuff, he throws a beautiful deep ball. And that and that's what I mean with the arm strength. I don't think – I've seen people are like, oh, he's going to walk in and have a top three arm. I don't see that because uh, the ball dips on him when he's thrown to the field. But the the playmaking ability, um, you know, that's exciting stuff that he brings and he can do more. Um, uh, another concern I have with him is his frame. He's under 210 pounds, which, you know, historically has not been a great thing. I'm not like, you know, he played 214 as pro day. So maybe he did get bigger, but I think that's water weight. A lot of guys gain water weight for pro day. Um, so I think that's another concern I have because I have a lot of flashbacks to Derek Carr getting knocked over in the pocket. And, you know, if you look at quarterbacks under 210 pounds, really it's Lamar. Uh, you have to be a freak athlete, Lamar, Michael Vick, and then like Mark Bolger. You know, and that's the, that's pretty much it. And he was a six round pick. So that is something a little bit concerning for me, but he's athletic enough to overcome it. And he has arm strength and arm quickness to kind of overcome it. But that is something that I have a little bit of a negative on him. So that that's a that's a key point here as we talk about all this, though, because it sounds like you still like them all and like them all. Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> that's where I keep coming back to, too, is it. I'm almost at the point where I actually think six quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. Um, I think, I, I, but I think this class deserves it. Like the more and more I look at it, because I find, and I've talked about this on this podcast before too, Nate, like I find myself poking holes in a prospect like Justin Fields and I have to catch myself and remind myself of all the things you just said, because they're all true. He's still really, really good. And I think that, um, Maybe you and I are on the same page with Mac Jones because you haven't mentioned him yet. But I still also with Mac Jones think, yeah, you know he's going to be fine. Like I think his, his still floor a is higher. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was shocked how much I liked him. And I think that's a that's a consensus around a lot of people. It's like he's better than I went in. I was like, all right, whatever. He gets the Alabama hype. I get it. He's probably going to be like some third round, you know, bogus guy. And I watch him, and that dude puts every freaking throw on the money. Everything's on time, and. So, yeah, credit where credit's due. He only can do what he's asked to do. And guess what? He delivers. And, you know, he's an okay athlete. He's, you know, and I get the, you know, the roly-poly stuff with his body type and all that. He's fine. You know, he could throw off platform a little bit. But that's the thing is I, I, I keep coming back to comparing him to Chad Pennington. And that's kind of where I'm at with him is like that's his ceiling kind of. But I think he does have like I think he's going to come in no matter who he plays for. And they're going to be competent. Like he's going to make the offense competent. Um, it's just that he's only going to be as good as the situation around him. He'll have some years where maybe they have a really good team around him. And it's like, no, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Look at that. 38 touchdowns. You know, like, look at that. But then as soon as the, the supporting cast isn't as good, it's like, all right, he's fine. Like, he's not embarrassing, but it's not going to win us some games. So that's kind of why I, I keep coming back to Chad Pennington as both as a compliment and kind of a diss, you know. Um, but he, I mean, just the unbelievable accuracy he brings and like i give him an early second round grade quarterbacks you kind of give a half round inflation to where they get drafted you know so you know 
if he gets picked in the 15, you know, 20, somewhere in that range, like that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I would not bat an eye because it's like, that's where he should go. Uh, but his talent is more of like an early second rounder that gets that inflation. But yeah. And that, and like you said, there's other quarterbacks, you get a new appreciation for fields and other guys when you have to re- watch the the crappy guys. <laughs> like, I, like, trust me when now I'm circling back and watching the top guys again. And it's just like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Balls out on time. This is great. Oh, accurate. The ball's not sailing four rows and <laughs> hitting some fan four rows up or cardboard box you know so it, it's that's yeah you're right that's a great point wait just watch some of the bad players and then you'll go yeah i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch trevor lawrence or justin fields again just make myself feel good today <laughs> for, for you what, what's the best way to separate a guy from a loaded program like that and I, I think the same applies to, to even lawrence i mean clemson's been good i mean watson's teams at clemson's were, were, were unbelievable um ohio state I mean, they're loaded with, with a bunch of draftable players. Like, how do you separate the quarterback in these evaluations from the, the players around them, especially when you have first round, second round talent playing with them? Yeah, it's you try to learn what the, the translatable plays are. I think that's uh, that's kind of how I define it. And you know, you want to watch every play, and everyone's like, "Oh, I watched every, I watched four hundred plays of this guy. I watched every single throw." Some of it's crap. Some of it's just, you know, just BS, like fluff. And you, you're trying to find what actually tangibly translates. The one I, I would stand out to me in my head right now is, is Justin Fields. Um, it was against Penn State. And he runs. And it was my first time watching him. And he ran like a play action. Just classic. Just, hey, when I first saw this podcast, it was the exact same stuff that Mitch Trubisky runs, basically. <laughs> you know, that they when, when remember when they were like, wow, they actually improved the offense a little bit, made yeah. it easier on him. Kind of that similar kind of concept, like same gist of play. Um, so they ran the play action, and as opposed to him getting hung up on one and hope and wishing him open, that's a Paul Chris line. He goes, "Don't wish a guy open. Like listen to your feet and check it down." He goes one, two, checks it down. All just like in one hitch, beautiful, like perfect timing and rhythm. And I was like, that translates because that's a real NFL play. Because that's how quick it happens. It's not a lot of these guys, but especially when they get good old lines, they can just take their time. They go one Mississippi. Okay, I'm on number two Mississippi. Okay, check. Oh, no, I can't check it down because I took so long. All right, I'm going to scramble and I get a seven yard gain. And we're all like, wow, what a great play. What a good athlete. And then really, it's like not good progress, though, or process, though. You know, you're trying to watch the process, those types of plays. And I know that's kind of hard without like showing exactly. But, you know, you're just trying to really narrow down to what actually translates. That's actually why some concerns I have with Mac Jones is that it's it's a lot of RPOs. I mean, that's a lot of RPOs. And I get the NFL is doing more RPOs, but not to that level. <laughs> like nowhere near. And that stuff's all down the field. It's not RPOs in the NFL are slants. Like it, it's just it's just I mean, you you guys have seen it. Trust me, you know <laughs> what the what the Bears try to do for a couple of years. But it's just slants, slants, slants. And then that's that's it. Um at the college level, it's glances, posts, overs, because they can do it with the offensive line having four yards to get downfield. It's a little, it's a lot different. Uh, it's not only just the type of RPO, but just how many that they run. So that's something too that you have to kind of filter out. And actually, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson's the best thing that happened for me in my evaluation of Trevor Lawrence, because I said, I know how basic that Clemson offense is, but guess what? They run it to the max. And so, all right, he's doing what that's all he's getting asked to do, and he's delivering. When he, whatever he's getting asked to do, he delivers. Yeah, for me, it's it, and you kind of touched on this. It's it's the timing, you know, because a guy, let's say Lance at the FCS level, like he may have more time overall, but like two seconds is still two seconds. So how fast are the yeah. quarterbacks going through 
their progressions. Whether he has five seconds to throw the ball or three, if he does it quickly, if he gets one, two, and maybe even three sometimes, and he does it quickly, like that's still what translate. That's still a translatable thing. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. That, that's one of the things I always look for. And I guess I saw you nod your head when I said maybe six quarterbacks go. Uh, in the first round. I don't know if you're agreeing with me or not, but uh, if you are, is that based on what you think will happen or maybe what you even like? Is there a, is there a six quarterback that you think is worthy? No, no, absolutely not. Okay. No one should even sniff the second round in my estimate. Really? I can get me, I can get on board. Maybe some of the guys and a couple of the guys in the third. Um, but even then it's like, all right, what's their upside? Uh, no, but I, I, the fact that a couple guys like, uh, Davis Mills and Kellen Mond are getting like first round love or Kyle Trask and stuff. No, it's like, no, again, when you watch these guys all back to back to back, you, you shouldn't have to squint to see a first round quarterback. That's, that's, it's just, especially in the top 10. And honestly, if you take a quarterback outside the top 10, you're playing with fire and it's, you shouldn't have to squint. And that's the thing is some of these coaches talk themselves into it. They're like, look how accurate he is. Look how on time he is. Cause then the coaches are watching these guys now. So they just see the stuff that they want to see. It's the eye of the beholder stuff. So no, I, I do. I can see myself. Or I can see a team maybe talking themselves into it. You never know in the NFL draft. It's, it's insane what teams do the galaxy brain thinking that they get, get into. But, uh, personally, I, I think that, sh- that it should only be five guys in the first round. Part of this conversation is always like who drafts these guys. I feel like in terms of how they fit, how they develop them, we know that well in Chicago, right? With Trubisky, now he's in he's in Buffalo. He's a backup for for Josh Allen. Like you played the position. Like what teams would you want to go to in terms of fit, coaching, all that? And which teams would you, I don't know, want to pull like an Eli Manning or something and, and try to avoid? Oh man, uh, well I'd hope that. Coach Chris, we get into the NFL first off, but um, that that uh, that's just my bias take. No, I you know Pep Hamilton, I would love to as my quarterback coach. And I, I, he's he was with the Chargers last year, and um, you know like there's a Sean Payton. If I were at the Saints, like I would love to work with him just because how he can strip out fat in the offense and just do what you're good at. Um, Sean McVay, I would love to work with. You know, I think what we have seen out of that offense, there are some limitations, but that was more of who was operating it as opposed to what they were asking because all of a sudden they saw Wolford in it and you're like, oh, that's totally different. Um, Those guys all maximize the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, uh, um, LaFleur. Even, you know, like I would trust those guys to at least make myself competent if I were a quarterback and, um, you know, uh, even uh, dabble and Arthur Smith, you know, the Bills and and, uh, now the head coach of uh, the Atlanta Atlanta Falcons. Those guys, they kind of just know how to, I wouldn't say make it simple, but they just strip the fat out of an offense. And I really appreciate that. Personally, the offense that is like my favorite because it's what I grew up in basically and really kind of what Coach Chris does a little bit is what Bruce Arians does. Uh, But Bruce Arians hates rookies. So (laughs) if I were a young player, I probably wouldn't want to go there. But if I were a five-year vet, I would love to go there like Tom Brady did or a 20-year vet uh, because that offense is my idealized version of football it's three run plays right at you no no gimmicks needed um and uh, all the pass plays are down the field it's touchdown to check down over and over and over and over and it puts it puts emphasis on the players to make plays that's what i've grown up in so like bruce arians offense i'm always going to be 
attached to. Like, I, I just like that. It's aggressive and it could blow up right in your face, but guess what? It's fun. <laughs> and they could win you a Super Bowl if you had the talent like, like he did last year. All right, Nate. Uh, the most important question I'll ask you uh, is Graham Mertz legit or not? Oh, wow. I think he is, but, but I'm squinting. You know, I'm squinting a little bit. Uh, yeah. I want to see this. Here. He looked pretty damn good at the beginning, and then, then it fell apart. <laughs> yeah, and also seeing the, like the talent that he had around him. I, I'm, I want to see this next year because maybe you know maybe they give touches to that running back from Jersey a little bit more, the sophomore, and you know, and maybe the receiver. And it's not a COVID year, so maybe he gets a little more, a little something under him. But I don't know. I, I I know he likes him some him. So I, I you know so I really want to see him. I, I want to like him too. Uh, I think he is talented, but I, I do want to see him take a little bit of a leap this next year. All don't right. we all? Yes. Well, <laughs> except for Johns, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I zoned exactly. out there for a second. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just I know what you're space. talking about though. Yeah. I, I know you need to get a Badgers yeah. question in there. He, he's got he, he's he's talented he's talented he's a rich and that's the thing that's there's a reason coach chris doesn't play freshman like in that offense like it, it's a retro freshman i should say a retro sophomore it's hard to be a quarterback in that offense early on like it really is they he puts a lot on you because what he does every week he changes we a lot of these guys they run the same 10 12 plays with a couple tweaks watching clemson's offense then you watch you know a paul chris mike riley offense and it's so nfl in the sense that every week's a different game plan and so it's a lot to put on your players. And that's why you need a redshirt there or take some time to get there. And also the terminology is totally different than a lot of other places. It's just what Coach Chris likes to call things. Like Nick Saban likes to call things on defense and just these terms. And then everyone's like, why does he call it that? And it's just like, he goes, because uh, uh, I call that 1997 and I've just never changed it. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Like there, we had a play, we called Mesh Boston. And finally, my senior year, I asked Coach Chris, I was like, why do we call that Boston? I was just, I've wondered that now. And he goes, oh, we stole it from the Cardinals when they ran it with David Boston. Uh, and I was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't know that coach. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed yeah. to associate that in my brain? And then we, cause not only did we have Boston, we had plays off of that that were like variations of it. So we had Celtic, we had Patriot. Um, I think for a week, just as fun, we had a play called Red Sox, like, you know, like just different variations of it. And then, but I had no idea why it was called Boston. And he was like, yeah, I should probably explain that, shouldn't I? <laughs> Again, that would really help, Coach. It would help us like playing in our brain a little bit. But yeah, so it's a lot to put on a quarterback side. So I want to see him this next year. I, I And I know that's a cop-out answer, but you know, it is tough. It is mentally tough on a quarterback. No, I do too. And for anyone who uh, ever doubts the nuances of football, I mean, I think most people look at Wisconsin and say, oh, they just do the same thing every single time, you know, every single game. And nope. you hear right there from Nate Tice. It's uh, it's it, there's a lot of things that you just don't notice with your with your naked eye that go into it. Yeah, it's actually my friend uh, uh, Derek Klassen, uh QB class on Twitter. He breaks down quarterbacks. And last summer, he was like, "Hey, who's who are some mid tier guys I should watch?" I go, "Watch Jack Cohn. Like, just just take a gander. I actually think he's pretty decent." And he watched him, and he liked him. Like he was like, "Yeah, I, I get it." And he goes, "It's funny because you watch other teams; they run the same five plays over and over." And then he just did the like the gesture uh, emoji. He goes, "Wisconsin, though, everything else. Like they just run." <laughs> everything and that's the thing it's it's great that's why you see a lot of wisconsin guys that get to the nfl and they outplay their draft position because coaches are like oh you know what i'm talking about 
you know, like you understand that. And the Wisconsin guys are like, yeah, I, I, that we ran that my retro junior year for two weeks and then we never ran it again. You know, <laughs> like that, that's what coach Chris does. And so it's, it's just a lot that he puts on mentally to these guys. And, and like, that's why you see these guys ascend, ascend and send as they get older and older and older because he asks a lot of them. So yeah, it's, it, it, I know that's the thing is that they pound the rock, but it, that passing scheme is a true NFL passing scheme. And he, and he makes his NFL or makes his quarterbacks make NFL reads in it. Nate, it's always fun talking football with you. We appreciate the time. Hey, maybe we'll see you when the uh, the Bears head out to Vegas this year. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Uh, I, I would look forward to that. We'll All right, there. there he is. Nate Tice. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. All right, John. So interesting stuff uh, with Nate. I, uh, I found two things that stood out to me. One, that he has Zach Wilson fourth. No, fourth. Yeah, fourth. I almost find that more controversial than putting Zach Wilson number one, like Chris Sims did. I could see that. Like, he's really good. He is really good, and, and everything he was saying, like, it almost convinced me that you know maybe the Jets aren't fully sold on Wilson. I know that's like the popular thought, but everything that Nate was saying, I'm like, wow. Like, I would not be surprised if like Justin Fields went second overall. Right, and you just leave the 49ers stunned a bit because let's be honest. Like going into the year, the top two quarterbacks were Lawrence and Fields. Right, like I think everybody can agree on that. Going into the college football season last year, it was Fields and Lawrence, Lawrence and Fields. Like those were your top two guys. And at the end of it, that could be it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets did that. I, I really wouldn't. I know all the buzz is about Zach Wilson since his pro day and all those amazing throws he can make, you know, off schedule and whatnot. But I would not be surprised if you see something like that happen or transpire on draft day. Yeah, I would. I, th- I think there's a considerable difference. I think there's a considerable gap, actually, um, between Wilson and the next guy. And uh, I don't share those same concerns. I mean, other than the the body type and, and size. I mean, that's it's something that's, that's it's, uh, just an objective thing that, you can't really debate, but you know, people said that same thing about Deshaun Watson back in the day, uh, including me. Back Although in my the day, concern is like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, but that's the it's it's back in the day that's that qualifies back in the day. Like Jay Cutler qualifies as back in the day, I think. The twenty seventeen so draft. So that's class one year before. <laughs> that's one year before. I'm, I'm talking Watson's about his draft drafted. year. His draft year, like oh. what would well, that, that be? Two thousand and nine. No, that's when the Bears got him. That's right. So he was like 06. 2006. Yeah. Who else was in that draft class? Someone went right before him, right? Matt Liner went right before Jay Cutler. It's true. Another example of top 10 quarterbacks not working out. I guess if you want to be uh, a cynic, but I just think that this this class is, you know, most years we're overdrafting quarterbacks. We always talk about that. I do not know that these quarterbacks are being overdrafted, at least the top guys. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, I'll tell you the guy that's growing on me, and it's Kellen Mond. Now, you started talking about him a lot after uh, Chris Sims came out and put him fourth in his quarterback ranks, which is... Uh, very noticeable because notable because Chris Sims is pretty good with his quarterbacks, and uh, that I'm not gonna lie, it caught my eye too. The difference is, is I 
just so people understand my process, I try not I try really hard not to get influenced by other people's rankings until I've watched a lot of the stuff. And then this is the time, especially like the two weeks leading up to the draft, where I actually spend a lot of time listening and reading what other analysts that I respect. And it's a certain amount. But Chris Sims is one of those guys. And so I got to the point where I probably had not watched enough of Kellen Mond. And I finally said, all right, let's figure out what Chris Sims is seeing here. So I watched that video that he did his whole thing on. Um, and then I watched a lot of Kellen Mond, like a lot more than I already had. And the one thing I totally agree with with Sims is what's not to really like about him? The only thing I can pick, and it is a cons- it is a thing I brought up uh, in the- with Nate, the timing. He is a tick late a lot on his throws. Not a lot late. Just like a tick. And that is a concern of mine. Um, but otherwise, like, what is there not to like? He's big. He's got an NFL arm. He goes through his progressions. He's pretty darn accurate. And I think I was actually a little wrong in the past when I said, why hasn't he gotten a lot better each and every year? His accuracy has gone up. Um, So I'm not saying he's in the same category as like the top four or five quarterbacks, but I actually think a lot of what he does translates to the NFL. Do you uh, subscribe to the old Bill Parcells, like evaluating quarterback requirements for draftable prospects? Uh, I guess not. You know what I'm talking about? Like th- those old ones? No, you-, you should for mine. The ones from back in the day? Back in the day, yes. This qualifies as back in the day. Like uh, let me had, put it this like, way. Th- I may subscribe to them. I don't know what you're talking about, so you're going to have to refresh my memory. Okay, so it's three-year starter. Okay. Be a senior. He checks that box. Graduate. Yes. Start 30 games. Win 23 of those games. Have a two to one touchdown to interception ratio and complete 60% of your passes. So these are just, let's call them qualifications that Parcells looks for when he's evaluating his quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And they've been, they're a bit archaic. I get it because some of these guys, like, look at Mahomes. Like, he's a two year starter for, for the most part. Um, you saw what the Bears did with Trubisky. But to me, I think it just gives you, like if you're an evaluator and you stick to these guidelines, I think you have a, a, a bigger picture, like a clearer picture of who the quarterback is. So your guy, Kellen Mond, meets six out of seven requirements for Bill Parcells. The only other one that meets those six of seven is Trevor Lawrence. Only other one. If you want to compare it to what Trubisky was in 2017, he met two of the seven requirements for draftable prospects. So, and and I get it. Like Mahomes, I think met five of seven because he wasn't a full time starter. I think Watson was actually six of seven. So there's another argument for looking at Watson more seriously than Trubisky. But I think in terms of being an evaluator and getting a clearer picture for who a prospect is, I think these are good good guidelines to follow and. That Mond, who was who I took in the second round in my mock draft in, in 2.0, like I think he's going to be drafted in the second round. Um, he meets six of seven of those. So I think that maybe strengthens your argument for moving him up your draft board. 
1,358. 1,358 pass attempts at Texas A&M. That is more than four times what Trey Lance had at North Dakota State. Granted, it's not his fault this past season was what it was, but it's still the amount of passing attempts that you have to to evaluate. And if that was the knock on Trubisky, right, the inexperience, there is no doubting Kellen Mond's experience. And you know what the other thing I like, Johnsy? He's not like he's older than these guys. He's not. He's this he's the same age. He's younger than Mac Jones. He's a little bit older than Trey Lance, who's by who is the youngest. He's basically the same age as Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence. So you're getting the experience, but it's not like you're drafting the older guy where you're you're losing some time. Um now a, a big concern is he does have, he is inconsistent. Dane Brugler told us this last week. You know, you, you watch the LSU game versus the Florida game. Looks like two different quarterbacks. I still look at the fact that he lost one game in the SEC last year. And I He's his, playing his, in the SEC. Yeah. yeah. I, I think some people struggle with his, his throwing motion, like his mechanics are just, it, it is a little awkward, a little different, but you know, you know what? That's, that's fine. Like Philip Rivers had a fine career with his sidearm throw and guys, yeah. It can improve, they can change, and, and all that stuff. Um, it, it is what it is. But I, I just think, well, one, I like that we're having this conversation because I don't know about you, Adam. I, I feel like the Bears, well, right now they're on the outside looking in at these top quarterbacks, and I think it's going to remain that way. Like, I, I get that you're going to call the Falcons. I get that you're going to call the Panthers. You're going to call the Dolphins. Like, there's going to be those conversations. That's what you're doing right now. And part of as part of your pre-draft evaluations, like you're mocking these trades up and down, but I feel like there's just too many QB needy teams ahead of the Bears for moves to be made without like egregious overpayment. And I think this is where they're going to have to look for their their selection at quarterback. Your Davis Mills, your your Kellen Mons, and your Kyle Trask. Those are the guys. They're going to have to choose from. Because you have to take a quarterback if you're the Bears, in my opinion. You have to. You have to take a swing. And these are the three guys you could be left taking a swing at in the late first round, which is an overdraft, but probably in the second round. What if I told you it was at 20? I wouldn't like that. That's a classic overdraft. But I get that there's two drafts. Well, because that's what I was going to say. I think we're we've pretty much we're all in agreement that five five of these guys are going to go early, and most drafts you have another quarterback go late first round because of that fifth year option situation. And whether or not that actually happens, you have to be aware of that. So this is all hypothetical right now. But let's say that the Bears like Kellen Mond. I think there's a chance that six quarterbacks go in the first round. And I think Kellamon could be that guy. That sixth guy. I'll put it this way. If the Bears do that, sorry for cutting you off there, there better be a couple trade backs to in, in order to regain some draft value. Because the value of Kellamon, as much as you and I both like the guy, I don't, I don't think it's a 20. We know it's not a 20. 
I get that there's reasons for drafting a quarterback or overdrafting quarterback. It's the most important position in sports, the hardest to evaluate. But you better, like, if you move back a few spots and you, I don't know, you gain an extra second round pick or something like that, like, I am completely fine with that because you have other needs to address. Like, look, look what the Ravens did. I, I think in the year they traded up to take Lamar Jackson 32, I, I believe there were some other moves they made there. I, I got to look at the history, but the Ravens have an extensive history of moving back in terms of recouping value and sticking to their board. And then when they had to, they moved back in the first round and, and grabbed Lamar Jackson. Great move. That I would be okay with. That type of decision-making. But and I'm not I'm not debating that. Yeah, I ideal, obviously trade back, get more picks, then draft your, if you're going to make that draft pick late first round. No no question about it. The difference is like, and I think we all struggle with this. You, me, everybody in the media, and all the fans. Like I have friends that text me like, "How do you think the Bears are going to handle this quarterback thing?" It's like, oh well, are they going to reach for a quarterback? You don't reach. Teams don't reach. They. They have guys evaluated the way they do, and they don't think they're reaching. Like, if the Bears were to draft Kellen Mond at 20, it's because they evaluated him as a first-round pick, as a first-round talent. That's how he looks on their board. So it might look like a reach to you or me or other draft analysts or fans who are reading these draft rankings but all that matters at the end of the day is how that quarterback ends up playing. So they better be right. But I guess what I'm getting at is it sounds it's easy for us to say, yeah, trade back and get them. But there's no guarantee because if you evaluate a player, and let's say any prospect, as the 20th overall pick or worthy of the 20th overall pick, you have to think, there's probably other teams that did too. We can't be the only one that thinks thinks this. So, oh, let's pull off a trade back to 23 even. Let's move back three spots. There's no guarantee you're going to be able to get your guy. And if you're that sold, that Kellen Mond, again, just as a hypothetical example, is worth that first-round pick, and there's probably a big gap after that, to maybe Davis Mills, you can't afford to take that risk. Yeah, it sounds great to get an extra third-round pick or something or fourth-round pick to move back a few spots. Is it worth the risk, though, of losing that last quarterback that you have evaluated as a first-round pick? To me, it's not. To me, you got to make sure you get your guy. Here's what I'll... Well, that's the same <laughs> mindset that went into play in 2017. It when, is, but yeah, that's yeah, why it's, we. But exactly it, what I said that that weekend. The trade picks, the picks don't matter. The evaluations what matters. If Trubisky's good, no one cares about the picks. If if he sucks, everybody thought Pace should be fired over it. Obviously, he hasn't been. But yes, the, but that's exactly my point. The picks don't matter. At the end of the day, the evaluation of the player matters. No, I still think you oh, better okay. be right. In your hypothetical, Kellen Mond is a first-round pick. That's that's your hypothetical. That in the Bears board, there are six quarterbacks in this. So, but you have to understand, there's clouds in, in the Bears draft evaluation. Yes. So he's not in your first cloud. He's in your second cloud, which probably starts in the 18 to 25 range, right? 
And maybe Davis Mills is in your fifth cloud. Like, there's a gap. Again, okay. all hypothetical. I'm just painting this draft day scenario. And, and you know and I know that quarterbacks are usually moved up a cloud. Like, you could have a late first-round grade in Trubisky, but you have to move him up to your first cloud because he's a quarterback, right? You know what I'm saying? So, you like, Kelamon by grade could be in your third cloud of players, which is late first round, early second. But because he's a quarterback, you have to move him up to your second round, second cloud. Like, people have to understand there's, like, certain tiers and how these boards are, are, are like, players are grouped. This is like not a weather clouds. podcast, by the way. Yeah. But it yes. is cloudy today. It's very yes, cloudy. But cloud, cloud is a pace word. Cloud is a pace word. You call it tiers, but whatever you want. Like, that's how they are grouped on the draft boards, right? By grades, like top 10 picks and stuff like that. That's just how it works. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I get why mine can move up draft boards. I, I think 20 is it's tough. Um, like, is he better than Lamar Jackson was in 2018? Like, just to go back to what the Ravens did in 2018, right? Just in terms of playing the board, getting value and all that stuff, right? So, in 2018, the Ravens actually started with the 16th overall pick. That was traded to the Bills, who took Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker. So now they got the 22nd. The Ravens trade out of the 22nd pick now. All right? They go back to the 25th. Titans move up for Rashawn Evans, the linebacker. He is now the 22nd overall pick. The Ravens are now at number 25, where they take tight end Hayden Hurst. Not exactly a great pick, but that's what their board said to do. Then they trade back into the first round and grab Lamar Jackson at number 32. Obviously, that's a great pick because they get the fifth-year option and whatnot. He's turned out to be a league MVP. But they made that move with the Eagles. Like, I think where I'm at with the Bears, like, I would love to see something like that. Just operating based on your board, getting value, and being aggressive when your board says to be without having to overdraft. Yeah, the Ravens got lucky with Lamar Jackson becoming who he is. Um, there's a lot of layers to that. There's a lot of reasons why that, in terms of changing scheme, having the right players around them, having a good offensive line, an innovative offensive coordinator. But I like to see the Bears play the board that way, especially starting at number 20 if they're stuck at 20, which we all know is a great place for movement because that's when draft grades vary from team to team to team. You're ready to draft Kalamon at 20. Look at you. Just no, do it. I just no, here's I, I just go back to the desperate the, the, the I they cannot afford to come out of this draft without a good quarterback. Yeah. If they're That's that why desperate, I go back to I go back to you, you want to think that they're not trading up. I I will not be convinced otherwise until the 20 well, picks I'm are not off saying the board. We all know the Bears want to trade up for a quarterback. It's a matter of So why can't it they? Ain't gonna happen because there's a lot of other teams that need quarterbacks. Yep. And we've seen the Bears do it before. We've, yeah. We have. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't if, mean they can do it again. Like essential think, confirmation of what they were going to give up for Russell Wilson. Like they cannot. And I'll say this again: they cannot afford for it to be May second or whatever the draft's over, and they have uh, Felipe Franks on their roster. <laughs> okay. All right, that's a disaster. That's a disaster. But, but I'm saying that's why. You, yeah, I want to be the Ravens. 
I'd love to have that front office Hall of Fame front office for the last 20 years. That's not the Chicago Bears. That's dreamland. Okay. The Bears are the team screwing up the draft picks with the Ravens, the trades not calling it in on time. They're not the the team on the other end. Okay. So I it just comes down to it. it, Yeah. See, see, we're 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 talking about two different things here. Overdrafting Calamon at 20 or moving up to number six with the Dolphins for Trey Lance. Like those are two different conversations. Yes, the well, Bears they, should try to do that. Well, they are, but I think they're both on the table. Yeah, well, they absolutely should trade up for a quarterback if he happens to fall to six or eight or 11, which are tradable teams. But you still got teams like the Patriots. Even Bill Belichick himself let the cat out of the bag a little bit, saying that he may be interested in moving up a couple picks in order to make a selection of quarterback. Yeah. Bill Belichick has never taken a quarterback in the first round. Thank you, Tom Brady, for that. But I'm I'm just saying there's the needed quarterback seems to be great this year. The importance of the position has exponentially grown. Like if you look at like old drafts back in the day, again, Adam, like where there's just one or two quarterbacks going in the like the first round, where there's one guy at number one or number two, and the other quarterback doesn't go until the twenties, like those days are over. Far gone. Now teams are overly aggressive to get the quarterback. You just see it. You saw it happen again this year with the 49ers making their move. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you got Kellen in your next mock draft at number 20, don't you? No, no, no. This is, this is, uh, no, this conversation has changed. It's not so much about Kellen Mann. It's about the idea of trading back now. So let me, let me, let me do one more hypothetical here. That see if it can prove what I'm talking about. Okay. You're sitting at 20. You're on the clock at 20. Okay. The five quarterbacks are already off the board. Let's take a name out of it. I don't care who it is, but let's say the bears have a quarterback there that they like. Okay. But to your point, he's maybe one of those second tier. Well, he has to be one of those second tier guys, right? Definitely second tier. The five guys are already off the board. The top five. Um, but they really, really like him. They really think he's sleeping. He, you know, he's been sleeping through this process. Maybe a lot of other teams have a second round grade on him. Maybe some even have a third round grade. You're on the clock. The Pittsburgh Steelers call. They're sitting at number 24. Okay. They say, hey, we want to move up. Forget whatever the compensation is. It's decent compensation. You get more picks. And you say to them, you say, uh, well, can you, who are you taking? We'll only make the trade if you tell us who you're taking. And they refuse to tell you who it is. So here's the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, basically most likely in his last year ever. Pretty good logic there that Pittsburgh might be looking for their next quarterback. Especially when teams trade up. A lot of times it's for a quarterback, and they will not tell you who they're picking. What would you do? And remember, I'm putting you in the position of the not you who you what you think about any of these quarterbacks. I'm telling you the Bears love a quarterback there. What would you do? Well, if do okay. you t- take that risk no, to go you, back for spots. You from really like to love. That's different. <laughs> no, it's not. That's where I think you're missing the point in this conversation. Teams do no. not draft guys in the first round that they're wishy-washy on. They don't okay. do it. Yeah, they always well, get to that. They, they, they always actually, say, we love this guy. 
they they actually do because teams do miss and you know obviously there's not perfect picks. That, well, that just because the evaluation yes, okay. doesn't work out doesn't mean that's not how they felt on draft night. Hey, 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 did you look at the like? So I did this long draft evaluation on the value of the of the picks between sixteen and twenty five, right? Yes. Do you know what the hit rate on quarterbacks in that draft range is? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and then Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> you know how long ago that good. was? Like, like that qualifies as, as as back in the day. Like, and there's the other names that are in there. It's not good, not good at all. Like the the hit rate is awful, awful. Just like when Ryan Pace said he traded up for number two and wanted to make sure he got his guy. Like he knows the history says you got to get a guy in top five or top ten. Like those are when the best quarterbacks terms of longevity are found. So that's why you have to consider moving up. The hit rate of finding a quarterback in the 20s, it's just not good. Not good whatsoever. Yeah, I, I'm not debating history. I understand yeah. that. But there's always a Dak Prescott out there. Not always, but sometimes there's oh, a Dak Prescott yeah, out there. I know. There. I know what you're but saying. But that's my point. Like teams... The team, they're not worried. If they fall in love with a quarterback prospect, they're not worried about Joe Flacco in whatever year. They they love this guy. They love this evaluation. They have they are they have collaborated since 2015. If, if, I will say this. If that is your mindset, like Kellamon is now your guy. Those top five guys are off the board, and you have to absolutely make sure you get this guy. Then you're not trading back to number 24. You're actually trading up maybe a couple picks to make sure you get him. Okay, that's because all. Because there's other teams lurking. I I don't think that's going to be the scenario for the Bears, but if they happen to really like or love your words, love, we'll say love, <laughs> like they adore this quarterback, then you move up for the guy. Of course you do. Of course you do. Ravens moved up for Joe Flacco too. Worked out for them. I don't know if he's elite, but got them a Super Bowl. Which is all you're trying to get, right? At the end of the day, that's it. Okay. Um, at the same time, you know, in terms of like waiting to the second round, we should all know the hit rate on second round quarterbacks isn't very good either. Yeah, well, quite frankly, it hasn't been very good in the top three lately either. Yeah, yeah. It's just, this is where the Bears are, everybody. I guess that's where I'm coming from in that hit rate on quarterbacks a lot of times, not very good. Because no, it is not. a no. very hard position to play. And it is also, as we always say, way too much overdrafted because it's such an important position. I think this is just my opinion at this point. I think this year is the exception. I really think these guys are good. Now, are they all going to work out? No, I'm sure one of them, you know, whether it's uh, some of these concerns about Justin Fields are legit. He processes too slow. Nate Tice doesn't agree with that. He thinks it's BS. Fine. That's, you know, and the other thing I'd say is they're all different. So it comes down to like I liked how Dan Brugler put on a podcast last week. It's like ice cream. Yeah, everybody has their favorite flavor, but ice cream's good no matter what. You got to try pretty hard to make some crappy ice cream. No, there's some crappy ice creams out there, but yes, <laughs> the point is taken. But in this class, it's all good. Um, which I, I felt think- the the same way watching Mac Jones more and more. It's like if, I actually if- like this guy. I got this scenarios piece coming out next week, and I have, if I had to pick like the the most ideal scenario for the Bears, it's like one of those guys falling to eight or eleven. Doesn't matter who, 
right? Yes. It could be Lance. It could be Jones. But moving up from 20 to 11 or 20 to 8 isn't as overwhelming as going up to 4. Like if one of those guys happens to be there at 8 or 11 and you like them, really, really like them, make your move. Like that to me would be an ideal situation for the Bears because the compensation isn't exactly overwhelming as it would be to move into the top five. Which is why I had Trey Lance in my first Bears mock draft there. Now, I don't do trade-ups, but you know the point of me putting them there in that first round, yeah, the pick's at 20. But the point was, if I, as I look at these quarterbacks, he's the one guy I could see fall. Because of the inexperience, because of the limited sample size, because of all these guys, honestly, one of the things I like about Kellen Mond I don't know how high his ceiling might be at the NFL level. I think he's ready to play faster than Trey Lance is because of those 1,300 whatever passing attempts I talked about in the SEC compared to 300 whatever that Trey Lance had at the FCS level. Well, it's kind of like the Trubisky conversation all, all over again. Like The Bears wanted to give Trubisky a full year on the bench. So what they planned, but Mike Lennon was awful. Now, Andy Dalton should be better than that. Should be, should yep. be. But well, and that's the thing. That's I think that's. But the point I was trying to make was like I think that's the case with Trey Lance. I don't think you want to rush Trey Lance. And well, he's a, it's about the projection there. Like a, a lot of people forget selecting quarterback. It's not so much what they did in college. It's also about what he projects to be in the NFL. But Which some of these the guys, part of it, yeah, yes, they, they require time. All right, well, uh, good stuff. With I like Nate the hoodie. Time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It finally came in with a week left in the season. Did you see that my Dons beat a top ten team? No, take that, Nazareth. Na- Nazareth is uh, ranked top ten. They were, they were, they were. Yeah, we played a top ten team. It didn't uh, didn't go that great. That's okay though. I just like that football is being played. I do too. It's fun. I'm having a good time. And uh, who do you got this weekend? Finishing the season off strong against a rival, the alma mater of Jared Payton, Saint Vider. Ooh, the Saint Vider Lions, Cole Komet School. I might have to sneak out there. Where's it at? It's at Carmel. Okay. Uh, Friday night, you should come out. Jeff Dickerson came to a game. Yeah. No, I was talking to JD. Didn't yeah. work last time, but maybe this week. Um, and yeah, it's a rival. We beat them last year. They're going to come out hungry. St. Vider's got a cool logo, by the way. They really do. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, alma mater of Jared Payton and Cole Komet. Yeah, I hope everybody's enjoying the Catholic League, Chicago Catholic League football segment of this podcast. Yeah, we're going to keep it rolling on Thursday because we have another coach from uh, a Catholic school in the area. That's Matt Bowen. Our friend Matt Bowen's going to be on the podcast on Thursday. So uh, we'll have to... I actually do kind of want to actually talk to him about what's what's it been like to coach and and, um, operate in this football world this past year. Cause that been it's not easy, but uh, no. but it's also important, you know. Like it, it really is, and uh, for kids at any age, yeah, yeah, especially for the seniors. Yes, and senior night, Friday night too. Well, there you go. 
you really should come out. I doubt you will, but you should. You'll be surprised there. Okay. What's up with the special teams unit, Hogue? Oh, man. Hashtag Hogue special teams. Right. Muff snaps galore. Hey, if uh, if that was a trending hashtag on Twitter, I'll just say that it would be totally deserved. <laughs> uh, totally I love, deserved. I love high school football. I think people, long-time listeners of this podcast know that. I love high school football. You do. You really do. Our, it's, it's a pretty big upset that you... Well, you haven't really done anything to turn me, but I have turned. Uh, you have not on college football at all, though. I watch college football. I probably watch more than you think. Okay. It's sort of a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm not like... I don't know every player on every team, but I'm aware of the best. Good, because the draft is in a week. <laughs> <laughs> this is usually when I catch up. Good. Good. Uh, all right, well, uh, uh, kind of our, our great line of draft guests that we've had, Dane Brugler last week, Nate Tice today, Matt Bowen coming up later in the week. We'll keep it all rolling for you and try to get you as much information uh, as possible on, on some of these guys. Uh, I would actually love to hear. We, we kind of ran out of time with Nate. I would love to hear his opinion on Kellen Mond too, but um, future future times. Yeah. West man, we'll, we'll We'll get to it if he's the future Bears quarterback. I was going to say, maybe 20. in two weeks we'll have him on talking about the him as a Bears quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Taking bets on what week he uh, starts over Andy Dalton. Oh, week five for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When's the schedule coming out, by the way? A week after the draft, I heard. Come on. We got, we got things to plan. My wife wants to know when we're going to Vegas. I, I mean, this is this. I don't. Come on, NFL. What are you doing? You know they, they control the schedule. They control the world. I mean, like the, the actual consumption schedule of NFL news. Yes. They're very good at Sports it. Sports news. Very good. Very yeah. good. All right. Uh, we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, NBCSportsChicago.com, TheAthletic.com, slash Hogan Johns. Check out our YouTube channel. You could be watching us. You could see that sweatshirt that... Uh, Johnsy brought up and uh, and so check out our YouTube channel Hogan Johns on YouTube uh, you can watch the podcast if you prefer to watch your podcast which I know a lot of people do and um, get a t-shirt obviousshirts.com they're still up there hoping to get a new one out soon and uh, especially with the draft coming up so be on the lookout for that obviousshirts.com thank you for everybody listening please rate review tell a friend we appreciate you guys doing that we will talk to you later in the week See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.